This podcast is part of the Acast Creator Network. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello and welcome to The Stand with Eamon Dunphy. Now the RTE stroke Ryan Tuberty scandal is entering its fourth week today. It's a stunning revelation of incompetence, stupidity, greed, and basically, I'm not sure if RTE can ever recover from this. Earlier in the week, we saw Ryan Tuberty with his agent, Noel Kelly, in a six and a half hour extravaganza and it was deeply unsatisfactory from many points of view. And yesterday, the executives of RT were back in Leinster House and facing the Public Accounts Committee once again. And this only deepened, I think, the crisis that RT is facing. And we're joined now by the journalist who broke the story, Finan Sheehan, Ireland editor of independent newspapers. He's one of our very best journalists. And this story is a great public service because it reveals to those who pay 200 million euros a year to fund this organization how dysfunctional it is. And there was, as Finan Sheehan makes clear in his paper yet today, he reveals and starts his account of yesterday with something that is, in my mind, and struck me at the time as unbelievable. Finan, welcome to The Stand and thank you for joining us. You begin your piece in the Irish Independent today with what you describe as a surreal moment that happened an hour or so into yesterday's four and a half hour appearance before the Public Accounts Committee. Breda O'Keefe, the former chief financial officer at RTE, who had given such impressive testimony when she was in earlier in the week. Unlike most of RTE's testimony, it was clear, concise, to the point, and she was widely praised for it. However, an hour into yesterday's, she refused to appear yesterday. She said she had nothing more to add to what she'd said on her previous appearance. And yesterday, after an hour, Adrian Lynch, who is the interim deputy director general of RTE, received a text. It was from Breda O'Keefe. She was unhappy. And the committee were outraged, and rightly so. Here was somebody 
who wished to dispute evidence that was being given to the Public Accounts Committee, who had refused to appear before the Public Accounts Committee, and in fact had deeply misled the Public Accounts Committee in her previous evidence, now wishing to join the debate. It was an outrage, and one of the reasons I put it to you, Finan, is that she didn't mention in her original and very impressive and widely praised submission to the Oireachtas that she had given a note of comfort to Noel Kelly and therefore to Ryan Tuberty that would cover the fact that RTE would pick up the tab for the extra €75,000 payments if Renault either quit a sponsor or refused to pay them. And she had said in her original testimony that she was against this payment, this extra payment, and had made that very clear. This is remarkable behaviour, but it does raise extraordinary questions. First of all, about the veracity of her original testimony, and secondly, about her belief that she could get Adrian Lynch to make the case for it again yesterday. Yeah, I mean, apart from being surreal, it was uproariously funny uh, to see it playing out in this in this manner. Breed O'Keefe had basically said she had nothing further to add, and that's why she didn't appear when she was uh, invited to, to to come come back. And basically, two difficulties emerged uh, since her appearance uh, a, a week earlier. Uh, she had she'd come in on that occasion to the Oireachtas Media Committee, and there was a hushed silence around the room as she delivered her opening statement. And, and it almost felt like a breath of fresh air, really, because yes. here you had someone who was straight talking, who wasn't inside in the organization, who had no kind of conflicts. She seemed to almost come across as kind of a whistleblower who was going to, you know, really tell people what had happened, not somebody who was who was protecting the status quo or anything like that because she was gone out the door. And she gave a lengthy statement. And, and at one point, Neve Smith, the chair, just intervened and said, now you're, you're going on longer than you should, but I'm going to allow that because you're, what you're telling us is so important. Yes. And the, the answers back to questions were, were, were very straight and she was contradicting things that the, the existing and remaining RTE executive uh, were saying around timelines and facts and so on and so forth. But then two aspects of her, her testimony kind of came unstuck as, as the week went on. First of all, uh, you, going to this issue of, of the indemnity, she said by the time that she left RTE in March of 2020, uh, there was no guarantee being, being given to Noel Kelly. In fact, there was, there was substantial pushback uh, uh, a, against it by her and by others, and she really didn't know how that position had caved. Now, Mr. Kelly arrived in with Mr. Tuberty earlier this week with an email from the self-same Brito O'Keefe, which basically said uh, in it that, that RTE could offer uh, that, that letter of comfort guaranteeing payment if the sponsor pulled out. So quite clearly, that contradicted exactly what she said. Now, RTE have come back to, well, look, that's not the same. It's only an email. It's different to a, a contract. Uh, it, 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 there were differences in terms of what was the finished uh, product in terms of the contract negotiations and so on and so forth. As far as the committee members were concerned yesterday, they weren't buying that. They were basically saying, look, it's there in black and white. It's in an email. So Noel Kelly very definitely 
landed a, a serious punch there yeah. uh, to to RTE's claims of, of of any pushback. And and the pushback, you know, ultimately didn't really matter because in the end they did cave in. But it it did underline this notion that that D Forbes had been had been depicted as this kind of solo running chief yeah. executive director general who she was responsible for all of it. Nobody else knew anything else that was that was that was going on uh, here. It was all down to D. D had private meetings with Noel Kelly. D had Zoom meetings. D was overruling other yes. people, not telling people what was going on. And here we had the CFO basically actually offering a, a, a letter of guarantee and being involved in correspondence with, with Mr. Kelly and seeming to have a, a, a level of knowledge uh, of the deal that was going down and making offers that went beyond what, what she was claiming. So probably bought a good day in terms of, of, of for Noel Kelly and a good day for D Forbes as well in terms of showing uh, other people were, were across what was happening here uh, and a bad day for Brito O'Keefe and a bad day uh, for RT in that regard. And the, the Oireachtas Committee came down quite heavily there. The second aspect of, of Brito O'Keefe's testimony uh, that, that kind of unraveled, you know, she said she left in March 2020 and she came under... Uh, questioning uh, from from one of the the, the members about well, why did why did she leave uh, the organisation and she basically said it was it was fairly simple you know it was time for her to move on she'd been there for eighteen years and that a a voluntary redundancy package had had come up in the previous years and she just left with that and, and that was that was fine and and the committee accepted that however after the committee after the committee RTE staff. Uh, and trade unions started raising questions, particularly the National Union of Journalists. How come a a senior executive in the organization was allowed leave under voluntary redundancy when a lots of other staff were turned down and told it was it was oversubscribed, firstly? And then secondly, um her role wasn't abolished or or changed. She was directly uh, replaced by another chief financial officer. Normally, under redundancy schemes and under the terms of this RT redundancy scheme, the the there would have to be some change, some dilution of that role, or it being abolished completely. Effectively, it's not just the person who's made redundant, but also the job that they, that they are doing. Yes, and they also they also raised the question of like, well, who exactly signed off on this? And how much was it? Because somebody who was on that level of salary and that level of year service, it would have been a substantial payment. Yes, and it emerged yesterday from the Public Accounts Committee hearing that RT's chief financial officer and her successor, Richard Collins, said that he'd no knowledge of a severance package paid to his predecessor, Breda O'Keefe, in 2020. This is, despite the fact that Mr. Collins was on the executive board at the time that they were supposed to be signing off on such packages. Yeah, and Mr. Collins' argument could be that, listen, I was replacing her, so I wasn't there when this this package was was negotiated, and, that, and that, that's fair. That's fair enough. Uh, there was a tra- there was a transition period there. Uh, he was saying he he didn't know anything about it, but Adrian Lynch, who quite definitely was on the executive yes. uh, committee at that point. Uh, he intervened to say uh, he didn't know anything about it. Uh, Alan Kelly, the Labour Party TD, said, well, it's pretty clear the executive is supposed to sign off on all of these deals. Did that happen or not? And Adrian Lynch said, no, 
it, it didn't come to the to the executive committee. Now, you know, he didn't he didn't speak for all the executive committee, but he's quite clearly saying it it wasn't tabled uh, to his knowledge at any any executive committee level. And uh, Kevin Backhurst had checked this matter out as well, and he said there was an agreement directly between D Forbes and uh, Ms O'Keefe. Uh, on this matter and the subject of of her departure. So again, we had the, the solo running um, managing director, yeah. chief executive, director general, basically who, making who the decision. Who is ill and retired and can't. Who ill retired was suspended and and can't attend before the committee to shed any any light. So Mister uh, Mister Kelly, Alan Kelly of the Labour Party, basically went on further and said, "I'm not happy about this." I want to know what was involved. And I think you need to look into this. I think you need to investigate it. Yes. And Kevin Macker said, yeah, yeah, we're across that. And they clearly had already done a bit of homework on it. But last night then, um, as reports were emerging from RT staff of other uh, senior figures in the organization, also departing during those voluntary redundancy packages that were available in 2017 and 2021, Mr. Backhurst announced an external review Yes. Uh, of how those redundancy programs operated. And so we now have yet another investigation that is going to be launched uh, in RTE uh, into what was happening uh, during the D Forbes era. Yes, and we now know that the doll has risen for its summer recess and therefore these inquiries will go on. But there, the public and Alan Kelly also said this, I think, Finan, that he was... No wiser, and in fact more confused now than he had been at the beginning of this process. And I think most people will feel the same. I just want to ask you about this €120,000 that Ryan Toberty claims that he didn't take. It was some kind of loyalty bonus or exit package at the end of the contract he'd signed between 2015 and 2020, I, I, I believe. What is it with this 120,000 Finan? So, so the 120,000 figure, and, and you can say it's two different 120,000s we're talking about, but it's actually, in the end, it's, it's the one figure that is moving around uh, between balance sheets uh, and, and contracts. And this was basically 120 grand that, Ryan Toberty was due at the end of his previous contract. Uh, he waived it at the time. Now, look, people waive these things on the basis that they're getting a new contract. You know, let's not give them too many brownie points uh, here. Yeah. And and you make for you know, it's it's kind of a rollover thing. If you were to depart the organisation, you'd, you'd you'd probably take it as a as a loyalty bonus. But you know, why you even pay the loyalty bonus if you're staying on would be the argument. So he signs up to his new contract. This hundred twenty grand. Uh, is is waived, but it would appear at that point that RTE's finance and accounting department basically had stockpiled the hundred and twenty grand to pay to him, and because this sum then wasn't paid, as a bookkeeping exercise, they had to trade it off on the balance sheet from the credit to the debit side. And they ended up reducing the figures that he was paid over the previous uh, number of years because the loyalty bonus hadn't been paid. Now, that doesn't make much much sense at all to a layman, but from, in accountancy terms, 
there is some merit to it. So his figures for 2017 to 2019 are therefore reduced by 120 grand. Then RTE are publishing their top 10 earnings. That department, whoever was responsible for that, took the newly revised figures, which were lower than he was actually paid, and that was what was published to the Oireachtas uh, and beyond. RTE then come back now uh, in in 2023 uh, on foot of discovering the Renault deal, the 75 grand, the barter account. They start having a look into, well, did nothing like this happen before? They go, they go take a look at the previously disclosed sums and find that, aha, Ryan Tuberty's earnings were previously uh, understated and therefore that needs to be corrected. Those are all bunched together and they're put out there to the general public uh, as as being a, a, a six-year-long issue where Ryan Tuberty's uh, earnings were, were misstated. Let me just quote the Sinn Féin TD, Imelda Munster, who, who summed it up. We are talking about secret payments of 345 grand that went undisclosed. That's an accurate picture in terms of yes. what the public perceived to be going on here. It's not an accurate, accurate picture in terms of what, what would appear to have actually happened. So let's break it down in, into two tranches here, okay? We've got the Renault payments, the 75 grand, the invoices, the barter account, all of that. That came out basically in an audit by by Deloitte of the RTE annual accounts. They picked up on these invoices that were being paid through a UK company, no name on them, just said consultancy fees and being paid to a, a, a company uh, uh, that, that was owned by, by Noel Kelly. Deloitte look into that. They don't get a satisfactory answer. Deloitte go to the Audit and Risk Committee of the RTE board. They hire Grant Thornton, another major accountancy firm, to look into the matter, and Arthur Cox, a major solicitor's firm, they spend three months going into this entire affair to get to the bottom of it. So at the end of that process, we have two of the biggest accountancy firms and one of the biggest legal firms in the country have got to the bottom of that issue over the course of three months. Suddenly, RTE decide we better do a look back at did any of this happen before? Yes. They don't go to Grant Thornton, they don't go to Deloitte, they don't go to Arthur Cox, they go internally to RTE yeah. to get a report done that only took three days. Yes. And on foot of that report that came back to them, they put it out there that Ryan Tuberty also had an issue with uh, 2017 to 2019 and a sum of 120 grand. Now, Mr. Tuberty does openly put his hand up and say, when those figures for 2017 to 2019 were declared, he should have questioned the fact that they didn't match what he was paid, but he didn't do anything wrong there. While the payments between 2020 and 22, which are the barter account, Renault, the 75 grands, they have been described widely uh, in in the uh, across the Oireachtas as an effort to conceal payments, uh, as an act of deception, as a way to hide payments to Ryan Tuberty, that is what has been put out there. And that's a pretty accurate description of, of what's happening based upon what we've been hearing from the Oireachtas committees and the conclusions being drawn by TDs as a result. What didn't happen from 2017 to 2019 is that there was hidden payments, concealment or deceit. Yeah. RTE are now admitting, admitting there was an error, there was a mistake. Uh, and 
why exactly they conflated these two issues of 2017 to 2019 and 2020 to 2022 are, is very serious. And there are very serious questions to be asked of the RT board about that. How do you get a three-month-long investigation conducted by two, two major accountancy firm and one major legal firm, and you establish all your facts there, and then you tack on a three-day skim yes. of internal documents in RTE and chuck it out there as though it's the same. So the Grant Thornton are back reporting on that. They're due back in the next two weeks. It looks at this point as though they will come back and say there was an error in RTE. It was about the manner in which they accounted for this manner. Nothing to do with Ryan Tuberty, not his fault. And then very serious questions are going to have to be asked about the RTE board about why exactly they put that information out there without any context, without any explanation, and without getting their facts straight. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Now, Fanon, whilst this story has been running and deepening, I think you might agree, and getting worse for everybody involved in it, except, in my view, the TDs on the two committees, the Media Committee and the Public Accounts Committee, given that they've only got 10 minutes, given that in Tuberty and Kelly's appearance on Tuesday, they were only had stuff dumped on them at 8.30 in the morning. They've been really good and forensic. Some of them have been outstanding. There's another 
story emerging again this morning. It's carried in your paper and other papers about Dave Fanning. A lot of people have been trying to rubbish the committee, saying that they're being hostile and nasty. And Dave Fanning, for the second time in a couple of weeks, appears to have disgraced himself by talking about Ryan Tuberty and Noel Kelly and RT executives facing a nonsensical Oroctus Nuremberg trial. Now, Kevin Backhurst, the new director general, has rebuked him for that. He's a client of Noel Kelly's, and he previously put out a very nasty tweet about the late Christy Dignam, which is really horrible. Now, there's a conflict of interest some people have. Clearly, I'm not suggesting that Fanning even has the wit to know what a conflict of interest is, but it was a very pointed criticism of Oroctus committee members representing the public, who I think have acquitted themselves very, very well, given the circumstances they're working under. Would you agree with that? I mean, neither you or I have ever spent time praising politicians for being extremely good, but I think they have been. Yeah, I I suppose uh, you, you could argue a disproportionate amount of time has been attributed uh, to one one topic here across two committees. But that's because... The, the, they're trying to get to the bottom of it, though. They're not getting straight answers. Yeah, but it's, a, it's, no, it's, it's, it's taxpayers' money. It's licence fee payers' money. It's, it's, not just, it's not just taxpayers' money. It's licence fee payers' money. It's an hypothecated tax. You don't have a choice on, on, on paying it. Uh, you, it is directed towards a, a particular source. It's every household in the country uh, has, has to pay. So we all have a, a stake uh, in it as a result. And the TDs and the, Oireachtas, the senators and the Oireachtas committees are trying to get to the bottom of this issue. And as we've just discussed, the further down the rabbit hole they go, the more they, they seem to be discovering what started out here uh, as just an issue around payments to to Ryan Tuberty uh, has actually grown into a more wide ranging scandal uh, around exactly how uh, RTE is run, and and a number of things have come out of this that we would never and the malpractice have, we would yeah we would we would never have known about, for example, the operation of the RTE Bart count which had come under yeah. quite a lot of uh, scrutiny. Ultimately, RTE were behaving as though they were a, a, a private commercial entity when, in fact, this was the management of licence fee pairs money that was being spent on five grand on flip-flops. We would not have known about Toy Show the musical. And when I say we would not have known, that was because RTE were refusing to answer questions for the past 10 months about Toy Show the musical, how much it was costing, Everybody knew it was a complete flop uh, last Christmas. It was a, a, a complete turkey. It had been controversial in terms of its setup in the first place, uh, clashing with the, the established pantomimes on the Christmas scene, uh, which support uh, a, a lot of people at that, that time of the year. Uh, it had been an unmitigated disaster and RTE abjectly refusing to say yes. what it had cost. And ultimately, we found out because of this process of the Oireachtas committees that it cost 2.2 million in losses to the licence fee payer. 
and there was no accountability in that. And now we were finding out this week that there were major payouts, uh, golden handshakes given to to senior executives and figures within the organization, which now has to be investigated. So we have a whole heap of investigations underway here now, some of which can be directly attributed to the digging that the Oireachtas committees have done. Yeah, and I want to talk about young TDs, new TDs, people I didn't know, frankly. Alan Dillon, Fine Gael TD from Mayo. John Brady, Sinn Féin TD, excellent. Paul McAuliffe, Fianna Fáil TD, excellent. And really excellent, James O'Connor, a young TD from Cork East. All of these people, you know, we get the impression, and the impression is abroad, that, and, and I've been spreading it for the last 40 years, that these people in Lancer House are time servers, are hacks, and all of this stuff. The people we've seen on this Public Accounts Committee and the Media Committee, Imelda Munster is another one, who is a Sinn Féin. I might vote for the Sinners next time, if, if you don't mind, because they've been particularly good. The chair of the Public Accounts Committee has been really good. It has exposed RTE as totally unfit for purpose. Would you agree with that? Yeah, and... And, and again, these people have shown that up, as you've just said. They have unpicked all of this, despite the dissembling, the time-wasting, the 10-minute limit on questioning, all of that. Yeah, but the, I, I suppose the one criticism you'd have is is the structure of, of the Oireachtas committees, this 10-minute this yes. thing, as you say, why there's not more collaboration between the individual members in terms of dividing up the list of topics and saying, you're covering that, you're covering that, and you're covering that. Hence, yes. you've got a whole host of, and if that takes 20 minutes, then give whoever it is 20 minutes to, to tease that out uh, rather yes. than the same question being asked. I mean, look, the other day with Mr. Tubbley and Mr. Kelly, they must have been asked at, by at least uh, 10 different TDs and senators across the two committee hearings uh, about the, the famous invoices um, to the barter company and, and who authorised them and why there was no name on them and so on and so forth. And they were given the same answer. So it did get quite repetitive. Ultimately, the viewer at home was able to see, well, he's given the same answer and it's not satisfactory to them and that's why they keep asking. But it would have been better if one member had come in and dissected that for 20 minutes or half an hour or whatever right. it took to get to the moment. But beyond that, you have to you have to say, I mean, the, the Raptus Committee system... This is what they do on a, on a, on a weekly basis, uh, often quite unheralded work. Some committees are very good. Malcolm Byrne, the, the Fianna Fáil senator, has been noting ruefully on a couple of occasions that uh, the attendance uh, is so strong amongst members. But he says when we're here dealing with the dog days yes. on, on basic old topics around communications and media. There's not as many people people there. Uh, there's certainly nobody from the outside uh, looking in. So this is this is what the the, 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 the committee system does. It, it holds people to account. It brings them in. And nobody working in the in the public sector wants to be appearing for a, an Oireachtas committee. It's one of the, although their ability to make findings is very limited, um, their ability to put people under under a spotlight is what keeps manners on on an awful lot of people who are handling uh, taxpayers' money and and tax and and public policy uh, as well, because they will know that ultimately they could be the one who has to appear before an Oireachtas committee uh, down the line and and be 
and face questions. Now, the doll is in recess for a couple of months and inquiries are underway. I noted the controller and Auditor General was there yesterday and on other occasions. In your opinion, Fanon, is RTE as it presently stands and Kevin Backhurst is the new Director General coming into it, is it viable? Can it be sustained? Or is it? Well, it's clearly full of problems that look like they're terminal. They don't have an executive board, which is right. They abolished, Gavin Backhurst abolished the executive board. But who's going to commission programs? Who's going to deal with people who want to make programs? Are they going to get more money? They clearly haven't got the five million they get annually for the Late Late Show because a popular host has left it. This is an extraordinary situation, almost goo yeah, it is, and and the more that aspects of the organisation are are looked at, the more depressing it is. Now, look, is there is there a guarantee that if you went this deep into many other public public bodies, that you wouldn't come up with the same outcome? And, and, and unfortunately, there isn't. I mean, aspects uh, of 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 this uh, issue and these inquiries. <coughs> are quite reflective of issues we've seen in the past. The lavish spending uh, in FOSS, uh, for example, yes. springs to mind. Some of the payments that were made uh, to in the charity sector that came out of a decade yep. ago, that also springs to mind. Uh, if you sit through the Public Accounts Committee, I've been doing so since, you know, for the last 20 odd odd years, you do tend to see these things crop up on an annual basis. The controller and other general comes along with a report showing the waste of taxpayers' money or the poor definition of public policy resulting in the waste of taxpayers' money. Officials come in and say, oh yeah, well this is why it happened and it won't happen again. And then if you're around long enough, you see the same officials are appearing from the, the same department five another... years later. Yeah, I mean, if you were to spend this long going into particular aspects of spending in the HSE, I dare say you'd come up with, with things as well. In terms of RTE, well, we know that it's not going to be the same RTE as it was a month ago uh, into, the, into the future. We're being told that beyond this immediate crisis, there is going to be a restructuring of the management. Very definitely, the role of the board uh, is is going to be be strengthened. There is going to be greater levels of corporate governance, uh, auditing, and financing functions taking place uh, in the organisation. And also, the very structure of it is now in question because uh, Mr. Backers is Kevin Backers, the new director general, is smart enough to know now is not the time to be asking for funding for RTE because they're dealing with so many other issues, but down yeah. the line they're going to have to. And the funding will now be contingent on not the status quo, but reform. Uh, what is the organization going to look like from now on? And in that regard, everything has to be on the table. Is it slimmed down completely into one into a, a, an organization that just does... Uh, Things like news and current affairs, uh, children's programming, the Irish language, Irish heritage, and so on, and anything that's to do with entertainment is is outsourced 
to the the private sector and they buy it in uh is yes. there is there an argument uh that everything that's beyond news and current affairs should be operated by a, a different entity entirely i think all of those questions are now uh, up uh, in the air about RT, even where they're they're based uh, at the moment on their their Montrose campus, do they need to stay in an organisation that size? Yes, Kevin Backhurst raised that prospect himself in an interview with News Talk. He also expressed some reservations about dealing with Noel Kelly, the agent, anymore. He also expressed the view that salaries were too high. Yeah, for some of the, the so-called stars. Yeah, and he, and he's coming from in from from the UK, having previously worked with the BBC yep. and worked with Ofcom, who are the, the regulator uh, yes. of the the TV, media, and communication sector over in the UK as well. So he'd be he'd have a, a good awareness. I suppose the argument uh, for too long has been that you know we're competing with the UK and we're competing with with America. And and now that argument has been whittled down more to say, well, no, they are they are bigger markets, so therefore we can't compare the salaries that we are paying to people here to what they would earn over in the UK. And if people are going to leave, yeah. they're going to leave. I mean, you know, it, that would be a bit like saying Shamrock Rovers uh, have to compete with. Manchester City because otherwise our best players will leave and go across to the UK. It's just an acceptance and an acknowledgement that we are a, a small market and maybe we need to be comparing ourselves to countries like Denmark, Belgium uh, and Austria uh, rather than the UK and, and the US. Okay, Fanon, you've been very helpful to us and, and more importantly, you've done the country some service with your story, uh, which will run and run and run, and indeed for the independent newspaper group of which you are the Ireland editor. We're very grateful to Fanon Sheehan for his contribution on this crisis to the stand. To all of you for listening, that's all we have time for now. We'll talk to you soon. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.